Good day, good day, my friend, Pastor Daniel Dagan here, Hope Apostolic United Pentecostal Church, Port Charlotte, Florida, coming to you on our podcast, Timely Words of Hope. These air every first and third Tuesday of the month at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. So thankful you've joined us. I believe God has given me a word for us today. Can you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you, mighty God, for your grace for your mercy, for your love, and your kindness. Touch our minds and our spirits. Draw us into this moment. Lord God, be exalted. Confirm thy word with signs and wonders following. In Jesus' mighty name, we humbly pray. Amen, amen, amen. I want to talk to you today for just a few minutes from this subject. The wrong way and the right way to deal with sin in your life. The wrong way and the right way to deal with sin in your life. It is a subject that we all must understand because he that's perfect is not among us. There's none righteous but save one that's Christ. So along the way, no matter how diligent we are in our walk with God, no matter how prayerful or committed, There will be moments in which we make a mistake. We sin. It may be a thought, maybe a feeling, maybe even something you say or do. But there will be moments along the way. There certainly has been in my walk with God. Moments along the way that we sin. We just make a mistake. Well, I'm thankful we serve a gracious and merciful God. Seven times shall the righteous men fall, but God is there. He picks us up. We have the great example of David. After the horrific season of sin, murder and adultery, David gives us this great example of restoration, renewal, praying. In Psalms chapter 51, he acknowledges his sin. He owns it. He humbly comes to God, seeks God's forgiveness, repentance, learns from it, and goes forward and teaches transgressors the error of his ways. That's a great example of the right way to deal with sin in your life. Let me start out here with a look at the wrong way. And we'll come back to that the right way in a moment. Go with me, can you? 1 Samuel chapter 15. It is the story of King Saul and the prophet Samuel about 1079 B.C gives King Saul, the king of Israel, a charge as Israel would go in the battle against Amalek and the Amalekites. He gave them a charge. Destroy everything. Don't bring nothing from their camp or none of them back to your camp, King Saul, back to Israel. In spite of what God spoke through Samuel unto King Saul, King Saul got to the place where he thought he could do it better. He thought that perhaps maybe he knew more than even the prophet Samuel or God himself. Contrary to what Samuel told him, 1 Samuel 15, 3, Samuel, a spokesman, an oracle of God, a mouthpiece of God. Contrary to what Samuel told him, King Saul does otherwise. It picks up in 1 Samuel 15, verse 9. And Saul and the people spared Agag 
and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and of the lambs and all that was good would not utterly destroy them. But everything else that was vile and refused that they destroyed utterly. So King Saul made a decision. I'm going against what God has said through the prophet Samuel. I'm going to acknowledge what is best. Make a decision. Make a determination. What is best. And what I view, what I think is best, I'm keeping it. I'm going to keep it. So he spared Agag, the king of the Amalekites. He spared the best sheep, oxen, fatlings, and lambs. What was good to his own eyes. The ways of a man are right in his own eyes. But the end thereof is destruction. He spared the best. And the Lord began to deal with the prophet Samuel. And it says in verse 10. Then came the word of the Lord. 1 Samuel 15. Unto Samuel saying. It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he is turned back. Turned back, backslid from following me, and had not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all the night. Many times when the man of God in your life, your pastor, brings you a strong word, please don't think that he just flippantly or haphazardly brought that word to you. If he is a true shepherd of God, the last thing he wants to do is be strong with you, to chastise you. But he understands as a spiritual voice, as an under-shepherd under Christ, that he has a responsibility to your soul before the presence of God to speak to you plainly and directly when you're in sin. Samuel literally grieved and lamented all night because of the state that King Saul had found himself in. He lamented all night because of the sin that Saul had allowed to take hold of him. It jumps down to verse 13. Now, King Saul and, King, and, and the prophet Samuel, King Saul and the prophet Samuel come back together. Samuel having been with God all night and King Saul coming back. The battle with the Amalekites brings with him king of the Amalekites, Agag, and the choice things. And now they reconnect. And in the midst of that it says in verse 13, And Samuel came unto Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He says, King Saul says unto the prophet Samuel, Blessed be thou of the Lord. He came to him with enticing words of man's wisdom, platitudes, lips of praise. Beware the praises of men. King Saul came and declared, Blessed be thou of the Lord. As to present himself, King Saul, to Samuel as one that had did everything that he was supposed to do. But we know that's not the truth. 
It's amazing to me how many times people would come into the house of God and you greet them and they greet you with a big praise the Lord. But yet they know the walk with God is not what it's supposed to be. I'm glad that they say praise the Lord. But if it's empty words coming from a disconnected heart, it really holds no real value in the eyes of God. It's not what God would have us to be. Honoring God with our lips, hearts far removed from God. We should strive to be, but by God's grace. I need the mercy and the grace of God in my life. But we should strive to be, but by God's grace. To be people who have a connection, an alignment between what we say with our words and the intents of our heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. There should be a consistency with what's in my heart and what's coming across my lips. And it goes on. King Saul says to the prophet Samuel, Blessed be thou the Lord. And then I want you to notice, there's three things that King Saul does in an effort to gloss over, to look past his sin and not own it, and not acknowledge his transgression. Three things. I have found these three things to be common many times. The lives of those that try to handle sin the wrong way. That respond to sin and they stumble in the wrong fashion. The first thing he does is, he says at the end of verse 13, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. No, you have not. He says, he misrepresents what he's done. he has done. He says, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. That's not the case at all. You did not kill Agag. You brought back the choice or the best things of the Amalekites. And the word of the Lord, the commandment of God from Samuel was to kill everything, utterly destroy everything. That's black and white to me. But yet, in a spirit of deception, King Saul presents that he has done all that he was supposed to do. That's the first thing that he does wrong in terms of handling his sin wrong. He could have now confessed it to God, could have acknowledged it to Samuel, the prophet. He's talking to Samuel. But in this moment, rather than dealing with sin, acknowledging sin, seeking God's mercy the right way, he does three things that lets us know he is handling this sinful moment of his life the wrong way. Not only was the sin wrong, but how he responded to it. His failure to act appropriately, acknowledge and come back to God, made even the sin itself worse than it was and aggravated the situation, compounded his problems, extended the hardship of his days. First misstep as he comes to this arena where he handles sin the wrong way is deception. He tries to declare that he's done what he was supposed to do and he did not. It goes on. Samuel, the prophet, responds to King Saul's statement. If you have done all of the commandment of God, what meaneth then 
this beating of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen, the sounds of the oxen, the sound of the sheep, which I hear. And King Saul responded. His second mistake in this arena of handling sin the wrong way. He says, they, the people, they, the people, have brought them from the Amalekites for the people. So his focus was to blame others. To blame others. It's a second mistake in this arena of handling sin the wrong way. The first is to deceive. Declare, I've done everything I was supposed to do. And when that did not hold water, because the prophet Samuel hears the oxen, he hears the sheep, King Saul responds and says, well, it's not me. I'm a good guy. I'm not the one with the problem. I'm not the one that made the mistake. It's the people. What does that sound like? Adam. When God confronts Adam in the garden about the sin. Well, it's not me. The woman that thou gavest. God goes to the woman Eve. Well, it's not me. The serpent. We have an innate element within humanity. Where we like to blame others. Whenever there's a mistake. We don't like to own it. I don't like to own or admit that I make a mistake. I think somebody probably worth the weight and salt doesn't want to make a mistake. Most people want to do good. It's difficult owning you made a mistake, sin before God or mistake on a job or otherwise. But mature people do it. You have to own it. When there's a sin in my life, it's not my wife's fault. It's not my kid's fault. It's not the saints of God or my neighbor's fault. It's me. It's me. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So he did not own it, but he responded the wrong way a second time. First time, deceived. I've done everything I was supposed to do. I'm perfect. My hands are clean. Second time, blamed others. And then now we come to his third misdeed in the arena of handling sin the wrong way. He says, people spared the best sheep and the best oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. He tries to justify now. He says, well, God, you're right. Prophet Samuel, you're right. We didn't do everything we were supposed to do. And the people are responsible for bringing back the sheep and the oxen from the camp of the Amalekites. But let me justify myself. Let me justify why we've done it. We're going to use these fat oxen and these fat sheep for a sacrifice. So even though God told me to do something different, even though you, Prophet Samuel, told me to do something different, I overrode both of you. And I just felt like what I was thinking was better than what was God, God was thinking. I felt like what I was thinking as the king of Israel, Saul, was better than what you're saying, Prophet Samuel. So I just overrode you. But I'm justified in it. I'm justified in what I've done because I'm going to sacrifice them. So his three misdeeds, when confronted with sin, the three things that he does, he wrongfully does, 
in the area of sin was number one, he deceived. I've done everything I was supposed to do. Number two, he blamed others. And number three, he justified himself. I, I want to go now, James chapter 5, as I turn the corner today on a podcast. James chapter 5, it's a familiar verse. Chapter 5, verse 16. James chapter 5 and verse 16. I want you to hear the language of it. I, I suspect many on this podcast can probably quote it, or at least a bit or piece of it. I want you to hear what it says. In James 5, verse 16, Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. That's a good picture of the right way to handle sin. Confession to God, to others, you have ought against your brother, go to your brother, confess the sin, acknowledge it, and then fervently pray. Pray for the renewing of your mind, renewing of your spirit. God will touch you. God will make you whole. I, I want you to catch what it says here. In James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another. There's a couple components of that that Perhaps along the way, we maybe don't stop and pause and think about. Confess your faults one to another. For that to happen, for that to take place, you have to be honest. You cannot be deceived, worst kind of deception. You cannot blame others. You cannot justify what you've done. Wrong is wrong. Sin is sin. We all make mistakes. We've all sinned since being saved. I have. He that's perfect is not among us. But when we make a mistake, you have to be honest with yourself, honest with God, and yes, honest with others. Spouse, somebody else perhaps that got hurt in the midst of the mistake, the misdeed. But you have to be honest. Honest with yourself. And then, after you're honest with yourself, honest with God, you acknowledge it to God, seek forgiveness. You have to find somebody and have somebody in your life that can hold you accountable, that you can confess things to. Sometimes, in the midst of sinful moments, Satan will make us isolate ourselves. He'll manipulate our mind, our emotions, deceive us, push us into a place where we feel like we got to isolate ourselves and put walls around us because we feel like we've disappointed everybody. We don't want people to get too close because they may see through my little mask and my facade and see I'm not quite where I'm supposed to be at. So it's a dangerous place to be on an island or in a place of isolation when you're struggling in life, when you're struggling in your walk with God. Many suicides take place in isolation. Many people leave God and choose to pick up the bottle again, pick up dope again, pick up porn again, go back and find whatever again. In moments of isolation, I tell people I'm honored to pastor. Bring your brokenness to church. Bring your struggles to church. 
Bring your hurts to church. Bring whatever sin you're dealing with to church. God does not approve of any sin in my life or your life. But it'd be better for you to be in the house of God struggling with it than isolated and cut off from the body of Christ. Come to the house of prayer. God can give you a miracle. Come to the house of healing. God can give you deliverance. He can help you. He can bind together, touch and agree. You've got to be honest with yourself in trying to deal with sin the right way. Honest with God, absolutely a must. And then you and I, for those lingering sins in our life, things we can't seem to get past by ourselves, you need somebody you can talk to. Yes, pray, talk to God. Please do that, number one. But many times you need a warm body, a sister talking to a sister, a brother talking to a brother, pastor's wife helping a woman in the church, pastor helping a man or a couple in the church. You need a warm body to look at you and listen and love you, somebody you can trust in, somebody you can confess things to, somebody that won't put your business out there. I have men that I'm honored to pastor that have confided in me and have told me different struggles that they have in their life. I've tried to help them with things, different techniques, tools, strategies, fill in the blank, things that can help them overcome that. I go to them personally, privately, and confidentially, call them in a private conversation or otherwise. I will ask them, how are you doing with such and such? I want them to know that this is a safe place for them. They can talk to me. I'm not going to put this stuff out in the street. I'm not going to use it against them. I'm not going to use it to manipulate. We need people that we can be accountable to and that we can trust. Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed in the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. I want to finish today in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and verse 2. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and verse 2. I've talked to you today about the wrong way and the right way to deal with sin. Started out with David's prayer, Psalms 51, 1 through 12. We looked at King Saul's wrong way to handle sin. 1 Samuel 15, verse 3 to 19. Deception. Blame others. Justify. Then we looked at this component, James 5 and 16, that is a must to bring about restoration, wholeness, and to go forward after sin. Confession, honest with yourself, honest with God, and then a component of that, confession to others, accountability to others. Somebody you can talk to in the midst of your struggles. That you can be healed and made whole. Finish with Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brethren, man be overtaken in a fault. Ye which are spiritual, restore. That's a key word, hold it. I'm coming back to it. Restore such a one the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Somebody confesses something to you, a brother or sister in the Lord, 
confides in you, becomes vulnerable and transparent, you better, in the fear of God, be careful how you handle that. You have a responsibility to bear your brother's burdens with strict confidentiality, with utmost respect, and love them the same. Love them the same. But he tells us in verse 1 that if a man be taken in a fault, overtaken, found in sin, confesses he's in sin, walk with God, goes from this, downhill in a hurry. Doesn't take a prophet to figure out something's wrong. Somebody is in a fault or in a bad spiritual place, a dark place. Ye which are spiritual, that's key. You can't sustain your own walk with God through your prayer life, fasting, word life, spiritual mindedness, and such. You don't need to take on additional burdens. Think of a pickup truck. You got four tires that's like metals hanging out, the bald, we called them Maypops back in the day. And I mean, they can blow any minute. If you put 10,000 pounds of concrete block on the back of that truck, what's going to happen? Them tires are going to blow to pieces. Likewise, if you're barely hanging on in your walk with God because of a prayer life that's not yet developed, sustained, and such, you don't need to try to be the sounding post and the ear to listen and to counsel people that are dealing with devastating things in life. You may get to that point someday, but you're not there now. You need to point them to somebody else that's spiritual in the house of God and in the kingdom of God. Ye which are spiritual, restore. That word restore, that means like if you break a bone and instead of my hand and elbow basically being straight up and down, imagine my hand going way over here because this bone was broken. Well, that word restore means literally like a doctor resets it. They reset it, put it in the cast. That word literally means to set back in joint or back in place like a bone. We have a critical responsibility as backsliders come back to God, as saints of God struggle with sin like the prodigal. We need to help them deal with sin the right way. And those in the church, a congregation of God that are spiritual, need to love them and prayerfully find the balance, the discernment between speaking plainly to them strongly to them and they need it and speaking to them with grace and mercy letting everything be seasoned with salt grace there has to be a balance you can't always punch them in the face and tell them you're doing wrong but you can't always handle them with kid gloves pat them on the back and say everything's good they're in sin it's not good you have to find the balance much like a parent he that is spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness considering thyself least I'll also be tempted. One of the things when I have gotten the most bewildered and I have come to a place that I'm just struggling to have the right spirit sometimes, dealing with the person that seems to be dealing with the same sin or the same problem over and over. When I find myself getting frustrated, not at the person, I'm talking about my flesh. I'm frustrated about what Satan's trying to do to them. I'm frustrated about my lack of long-suffering and my lack of patience, when I find myself at that point, obviously I pray, I fast, I try to check Daniel and get Daniel back in line with God, try to be a merciful person, a kind person. But one of the things I do in addition to all of that that really helps me when somebody has fallen into sin is I try to see that person as my child. 
I try to see that person as one of my blood kin relatives. I love the household of God, the family of God. Amen. But I just, I love my boys to a different level. I love my daughter-in-law, Haley, now married to my oldest son, Zachary. It's a different level. I love her differently than I love the sisters of the church. I love them, but it's just different. And when I'm struggling to labor with somebody in their sin, as they're trying to deceive, as they're trying to blame others for their sin, as they're trying to justify, as they're struggling to deal with this sin the right way, I want to throw up my hands and throw in the towel and just kind of give up on them. I pray, God, let me see them as I see my sons. As if that was my son in that place. I would want some preacher, some saint of God, some man of God to labor with my kid and not give up on my kid. And that person that I'm getting frustrated at, that is somebody's son. That is somebody's daughter. That's probably somebody's daddy, brother, and so forth. You understand the point. There's a wrong way to deal with sin in our life, and there is a right way to deal with sin. How we respond to the sin either makes it a passing moment, we recover, go forward with none or very limited consequences comparatively, or if we don't respond to it the right way, but we try to deceive, blame others, justify or such, then the sin can be bad, but our response to it can be so much worse and elongate the season of hardship. You understand, friend? I want to pray now. Comforted that if we sin, we have an advocate in the Father. He's faithful, just, true. He'll forgive us of our sin. John's writings in the closing verses of 1 John 1 in the 2. Let's pray to the advocate and ask God for mercy and grace. Can we? I thank you, Jesus, for your love, your mercy, your kindness. Help us all, God, to confront the sin in our life. Knowledge it before you. Seek your mercy and go forward paying attention to triggers, paying attention to settings, paying attention to people that perhaps Satan can use to cause us to stumble. Help us to get equipped through the word, prayer, and fasting. And let us practice daily spiritual mindedness, putting on the arm of God in spiritual warfare. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you for victory. Thank you for helping us to be more than a conqueror and an overcomer. In Jesus' mighty name, I humbly, humbly pray. Plead the blood of Jesus over you. Go in the power of God. Until next time, Pastor Dagan, timely words of hope. God bless you.